0: As the viewers will probably know, this is the first of uh, hopefully more conversations like this, Uh, and we'd we'd like to talk to people uh, who have had remarkable sort of uh, stories in the industry, uh, and and trying to get sort of the fire of uh, physical computing to the masses, Uh, and who better to start with than uh, even Upton? So. even without without further ado, um, we got there's there's so much we could we could talk about, but the the, the one that uh, always I always wonder about is you know the the Raspberry Pi Foundation obviously started with a very strong educational uh, mission and wanting to make computing accessible to children everywhere. So this is a bit of a two pronged uh, question. So first of all, how do you think you're doing in relation to that? But also uh, what are other of the biggest impacts you've seen the Raspberry Pi make outside of that core mission? And maybe the most surprising ones or the, maybe the biggest ones or you know, however you want to approach that.
1: So I think, I think the core mission, is, it's interesting. We, um, I think if you kind of think about, I mean, to put it in context, we saw a, this enormous decline in the number of applicants to Cambridge. So we have, you know, the Raspberry Pi Foundation still has a very simple scalar metric for how things are going, right? Which is how many in December of each year, how many people pitch up and try and get into the University of Cambridge to study computer science. And we've seen this decline from, you know, 600-ish at the height of the dot-com boom down to about 250, 200, 250 in, in, in 2008. Um, so that's kind of still, although the, the aspirations of the foundation have grown enormously beyond that, um, that's still the number I look at if I want a single metric to show me how things are going. Um, and um, on that basis, things are going pretty well, right? So last year we had on the order of 1,400 um, applicants um, to the university. So we're kind of uh, two are uh, getting on for two and a half x the number of applicants that we had at the height of the dot com boom when people thought that um, computing was a meal ticket. You know, when people thought yep. that computing yep. was a meal ticket. So that's really good, right? I think the so that's the kind of the upside. It took a little while to get there, and I think we took a we took a non obvious road. Um, to that to that destination um so we didn't um so yeah, if you think who was buying raspberry Pi's in 2012 it wasn't teachers and it wasn't really children um it was um adult technically those were hobbyists geeks and uh, people like me um but what we and at the time there, i think there probably was a little bit of a sense within the organization of disappointment um that we weren't kind of doing this kind of steepest ascent straight to every child having raspberry Pi. um but what I think we, what, we, what we didn't realize and what we came to realize later is that those people are your way in right So those people, they are parents, they are teachers, um, they are, are volunteers of after school clubs. Um, they're the people who are going to take your product into the, the original target market. And so what we saw after two, three, four years um, was some of that enthusiasm bleeding down from the kind of this kind of super geek world down into kind of regular regular adult humans uh, and then regular little humans. Um, and so that was really that was a really that was a really good, that was a really positive development for us. And so we kind of got to this point via an indirect route where at least our scalar metric looks pretty good. Yep. I think the so that's all the all the good stuff I would say. What one of the bad things? Um, I think we've come to realise that the the challenges are much larger. You know, if you sort of think that we're an organization that started off trying to recreate the nineteen eighties, trying to build a pocket version of the um the the circumstances that prevailed in the 1980s that led to there being a large number of applicants for computer science in the 90s um actually when you look at the 1980s it's not a fantastic place um, in in a lot of ways um many of the the demographic challenges that that afflict our industry now you know most of us are male um uh, most of us are white um most of us came from middle class backgrounds um uh, you know, those, uh, the unrepresentative nature of the employee base in the technology industry at the moment is a consequence of the unrepresentative nature of the hobbyist community in the 1980s and 90s. Um, and so I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely a strong strand of trying to do better there. You know, we have some very encouraging leading metrics, so uh, very nearly 50% of the participants in Code Club, which is our network of um, after-school clubs for 9 to 13-year-olds, are girls. Uh, and that's really powerful, particularly at the upper end of that age range, which is the kind of point at which something in society starts to discourage girls from being involved in STEM subjects. So the fact that we can we can acquire and retain people's interest through that is kind of a pretty good sign that we are going to get to a better place. The other statistic I love is that if you look at schools in the UK, um, if you use the proportion of children who receive free school meals as... A proxy for deprivation. Um, if you're in the top um, uh, quartile um, for deprivation, you are slightly more likely as a school to have a code club than if you're in the bottom quartile, um, and that's really that's really encouraging. Right? So, so I think we're, we're finding even within the UK, we're finding kind of new challenges. We're finding new things yeah. to do. Um, to, to 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 make a difference, and of course, you know the UK only has about one percent of the world's population. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> so there's of work to do in the developed world. There's an enormous amount of work to do in the developing world. There's probably actually a pretty good product market fit between Raspberry Pi and some of the needs of educational computing. In uh, and, and we always we kind of increasingly draw this distinction between computing education, which is our original—that's kind of our wheelhouse—that's kind of where we come from, uh, teaching people about computers. Uh, and computing for education. So providing computing devices so that people can be educated in all sorts of subjects. And there's quite a good alignment between certainly modern Raspberry Pi platforms, you know, Raspberry Pi 4, and the needs of general purpose um, uh, ed- uh, computing for education. Um, and we've seen that in the context of the pandemic. You know, We've seen a lot of people right. using Raspberry Pi as a general purpose computer uh, for, for, for home learning. We've done some philanthropic work ourselves uh, in this area. Um, with the support of a number of um, a number of donors, including the Bloomfield Trust, um, primarily. Um, and that's been, that's, that's been very successful for us. And we think there's probably a pretty good product market, market fit in the developing world for people who want to provide their children with the, uh, with the, with the first competing experience. So those are all kind of, that, that's the kind of core. Uh, yeah. And I mentioned that mm-hmm. we got to the core via this hobbyist route. Um, the other thing the hobbyists did, the other thing we didn't appreciate about the hobbyists, of course, is many of them are professional design engineers. Um, and that's probably led to them to the other strand of, surpri- of more surprising stuff with Raspberry Pi, which is that people take Raspberry Pi with them into their work. Um, and that, you know, somebody will buy a Raspberry Pi uh, at home to hack on. And the next time they're asked by their boss to do a, a piece of work, um, uh, it-, it will end up in their tool bag, it will end up in the, the collection of things um, that they might choose to use. Uh, and that, so that's driven. And now you know, the fifty percent. We sold seven million Raspberry Pis last year. We've just gone past the 50 million units total mark. Half last year, over half of those seven million units were going into something right that as an industrial application.
0: So, over of, of of all the Raspberry Pis that have been sold, almost half of them were sold last year. I mean, up to I, the I, end of the last year.
1: So, so, so of the of all the Raspberry Pis that have been sold, so set so forty no forty million. Not oh, okay.
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so, yes. Yeah, so I, I should be. I should enunciate more clearly. Um. Yes. Forty million. So. So roughly right, right, okay. one in six. Uh, right, you've right, been, right. Basically, so, a decade and roughly one in six was Still, still, was, still
0: pretty scary. staggering. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. That's uh, that's incredible. So sorry. Go, go ahead. You're <laughs> talking about the, the broader impact.
1: Yeah. Well, so I was saying that you know you, what you actually what you find and the interesting thing for us, of course, is we haven't had to had to make any compromises during that process. Um. So. The same things that make Raspberry Pi an attractive computer for education and make it an attractive computer for industry—you know, the robustness—it's it's actually a little bit. It's an interesting question here. You know, what is the what is the more demanding environment? You know, an oil rig or a child's bedroom? I, I'm not sure. Not completely obvious to me which which of those. No, things. absolutely not. The yeah. combination of robustness, low cost, low power consumption, high performance, programmability, you know, being a general purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are all incredibly attractive things for people in industrial applications. Um, and so, so, you know, there may come a day where we have to make some sort of choice, but at least in the core single board computer, the core, the core SBC product, um, we've always been able to do the same thing and have a single unified product. And you, you, you see, Kind of some divergence now, where certainly last year you saw us launch Compute Module four, so the Compute Module line, which I know you guys are very familiar with. Very excited um, with, yeah. And yeah, you know, CM four, CM four's been a really surprising early success for us. You know, our model. So, so for those people who don't know, Compute Module, the, our Compute Module products pack the the core logic, so the the um, generally the, um, uh, the the the, the, the sock. Uh, Its memory, its power supply circuitry, and more recently some of its networking peripherals, so uh, wireless and wired networking, uh, into a into a module format rather than a computer format, so you can integrate it into your own product. Um, Now, um, uh, our module, our our model for how modules work, for how the sales modules work, is that we um, we sell a few in the first year, uh, you know, thousands, maybe ten thousand in the first year, um, and uh, th- then those go into a design process and then you get, get a design run. And that's really what happened with Compute Module 1, Compute Module 3, Compute Module 3+, Plus. very, very slow early sales, intentionally mm. slow early sales. And then it's kind of uh, rapid growth later on. Well, strange things happen with Compute Module 4, maybe because I think we've, we've kind of got the... The feature set, right, from the point of view of simplifying integration into end into end user products, um, uh, all of a sudden, particularly the power supply design is is simpler. You just give it five. Where well, the previous ones, there were some power sequencing um, responsibilities that the main board had. Um, Compute module four, you just give it five volts and you're done. Uh, we've integrated wireless networking onto the module uh, right. as well. So it's kind of quite easy to get started with. And So we're selling tens of thousands of CM4s a month. You know, it's only been on the market for six months. So we're selling tens right. of thousands of these a month, which is kind of scary for us, actually. having to play yeah. with our, our mix, our manufacturing mix, in order to keep CM4 right. um, uh, in an environment where all of our other products are selling pretty well as well. So, so that's right. kind of that. So that's, but you can see that the whole compute module experience is kind of doubling down on the industrial side. Um, mm-hmm. Then, um, uh, then you see Pi four hundred, which we launched in, in uh, November of course. last week, which is a Pi inside a keyboard, as being our first really completely explicitly consumer focused um, uh, product. So we do have a little bit of uh, a little bit of specialization there in terms of mm-hmm. all those that you can, Raspberry Pi four, CM four, Pi four hundred. Um, they're all built on the same basic core technology platform, and um, we haven't had to really customize that platform. It you know, has some form factor customization, but no real functional customization for the different markets and that's great long may it continue of course because it helps us do a lot with a relatively small engineering team
0: so yeah awesome yeah, and you open up so many so many avenues to go at i'm having a hard time uh picking but um i'll, I'll pick one that's definitely been near and dear to our hearts here at valenda which is the the compute module and uh, compute module four so famously, the Pi Foundation has been very, very careful at breaking interfaces, right? And you guys take that really, really seriously. In, in my view, it's been key to your success, right? Because the ecosystem cannot accumulate unless they can expect some sort of uh, continuity. Um, but you know, at some some point, you know, the 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 risk, uh, the, the sort of the return on investment sort of starts to tip, right? And you kind of make the big uh leap. So how was that decision for you guys with, you know, with uh, CM1, CM3, 3 uh plus you you kept all of that sort of under the same sort of uh interface, but then we did grow a millimeter
1: we did grow a millimeter in y. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we
0: that. didn't know you see yeah, okay. You, <laughs> you know, consider so that a, an issue, uh, a a we didn't Gen- even Gen- notice. Yeah. Not the Gen- yeah, so yeah. Yeah. A yeah,
1: yeah. It's a millimeter taller. Yeah. Um um yeah, you're right. It's 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 one of those ones where you know we yeah we 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 do like continuity, um, and you see that in the single board computer product, um, where really the the form factor was completely stable from um, from from one plus, from one b plus through to three b plus. So three b plus grew a um, so. And you, you get little changes. So um, the, um, uh, the the LEDs moved between right. and <laughs> 3 The LEDs moved, and they moved because we needed room for an aerial, um, and so the, they moved down near the the power where they actually belong down near the power supply. Um, uh, the three uh, plus grew a um, uh, grew a, a power Ethernet header. That's just just a function up. Um, and then Pi 4 is the first one that has significant churn in the form factor. So we flip the Ethernet round. That's simply routing on the board. That's simply, yeah, yeah we are. We always, um, one of the ways that we keep the cost of the product down is we use fairly um, limited levels of PCB technology. Um, so we use a six layer PCB stack up, which doesn't give us an enormous amount of routing capability. Um, and so it would have been extremely challenging to bring the um, the, the Ethernet down to the bottom right hand corner, end up in the top right hand corner. Um, uh, so so and then obviously we we had went from one HDMI to two micro HDMI's down on the bottom edge, and we went from micro B to C for, for power supply. So it's quite a, a collection of individually relatively minor changes that add up to something which feels substantially different. Um, compute modules obviously in a much more advanced and much more aggressive case of that. Yeah, we'd stuck with the genic sodium, um, 2 sodium, um, form factor, um, for several generations. Uh, we got to the point the the um, interfaces that are exposed by the BCM 2711 stock that's on the, uh, the, the Pi 4 are so different, um, from the ones that are on, um, the, the 2708 through 2710 um, designs, um, that uh, that we felt that we had to, we would have thrown away a lot of interfaces. So, I think we, yeah. yeah we would have at least thrown away the second HDMI. Um, We would have thrown away... um, uh, We probably would have thrown away PCI Express. I think we could have squeezed PCI Express onto an alligator pins. Um, But we would would have lost at least those two. And we would have lost the ability to... um, uh, We would have ended up with the older power sequencing um, approach. Uh, We probably wouldn't have been able to fit Wi-Fi on there in any meaningful way. So I think we... um, And and people were not 100% happy about... The my SO-DIMM. SODIM is enormously popular as a, as a form factor for songs um, but actually that perpendicular connector format that we've gone for now um, is a uh, is I think more popular partly because it enables a smaller footprint and meter um, carry board um, uh, design um, so it's so all of those things like I say they all they all stacked up together and we did a rare thing which is a compatibility break
0: yeah no I mean from from our point of view as well up, we build the fin which is relying on the compute module and you know while on the one hand you know would it have been great if there was a pin compatible to cm3 i guess sure and to be completely honest we were really li- trying to read the tea leaves like when the pi4 came out we're like okay how is the pci good? is that do they have even the theoretical capability to do this or should we just you know but honestly like seeing the result i you know we're fully perfectly happy because I mean, one of the things we say within the team is always short-term pain for long-term gain, right? So yeah. at some yeah. point, you just got to draw a line and do a new
1: thing, and, you know, as if far as we changed, if at least. If we changed every generation. Yeah, be- exactly, yeah. Uh, or if we made changes which were kind of just vanity changes, you know, pointless changes, that would be different. But I think, you know, we people can at least trust us to make exactly. um, sensible sensible changes that we can articulate reason for. Some people will obviously be unhappy, but you know, we, we do our <laughs>
0: Okay. with uh you know what we've what we found you know what's you reach the scale that you guys are at um there's always going to be somebody
1: right? yeah that's <laughs> there's, it. Not, there's nothing you can do that will please yeah. everybody yeah you know I mean it, it is it's always been a challenge for us though as once as you said once you reach a certain scale everything happens yeah it's a lot of large numbers right um you know so you get every kind of technical problem um, you get every kind of Customer interaction—you um, get every kind, or you get every kind of opportunity. You know, you get every kind of every kind of surprise application. Right. Someone discovers it and, and does it. Um, so, in, in positive and negative ways, that scale has a lot of consequences for us.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's the, as as you say, it comes with territory, and it also comes with the good. So we shouldn't we shouldn't growl too much. Uh, so the other thing you touched on actually, which was um, sort of, I, th- I know a lot of people are are fighting through right now, is component shortage and like manufacturing mm-hmm. and having to make you know the hard decisions. You know, which child do you feed? I mean, how do you That's <laughs> do that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. how do you think about that? I mean, again, you could uh, there, there's the specific of what you're dealing with, which I'm sure like you're dealing with every day, and also the the broad like what advice you'd give to someone
1: who's dealing with that. in, in other, we, we're lucky because we because obviously we are very scaled, um, and we have a great team. Um, outside of being scaled, you, you, we get great support from our suppliers. You know, I mean, you know, it's it's tough for everyone. Um, but we do at least get great support from our suppliers to the extent that they're able to support us. And then, you know, it's not easy. You got to remember it's not easy for your suppliers. It's easy to be angry with your suppliers. Why aren't you sending me stuff? But you know, they, they've got suppliers as well. Who aren't sending them stuff. Um, so, so, you know, we're getting great support, um, uh, from, from pretty much everyone. Um, we we've had to, what are we prioritizing? Um, oh, we've ended up prioritizing the, the, uh, we're lucky we went in with very, very strong inventories of, um, of the three of pro- the three products, the the um, twenty to thirty seven base products, so three, three plus CM three, CM three plus. Um, so that was a good. That was a bit of luck. You know, your inventory kind of oscillates a little bit over time, and we were on the upswing there. Um, went in with pretty good inventory of chipset for, for Pi four. Not a huge amount of finished goods, um, but that's fine because we can convert chipset. Um, uh, yeah, what are we what are we prioritising? Uh, CM four. Differentially prioritizing CM4, I guess, um, is a big thing. The more popular variants. And of course, CM4 is an enormous product line, right? So um, it's got a, uh, there were 32 different, there were were four um, DRAM choices, four flash choices, and wireless or no wireless. So there were 32 variants to that product. Um, So we prioritize the more popular variants. Um, We've done some work where we've um, we've cut minimum order quantities, Mm -hmm. but kind of in a situation where, um, you know uh, things are tight. Um, uh, you, you don't want there to be units sitting on people's shelves because they've had to buy units from you ahead. Um, right. You, right. You, well, the goal is what's the goal this year? And I think we'll get things to go in good shape. But really, the goal this year is make sure that every chip ends up in a device that ends up with an end user. We don't want anything on any shelves anywhere. Right. So that no chips on the shelf. Uh, in the factory waiting to be assembled, no finished goods in the factory waiting to ship, nothing in a nothing in the warehouse, nothing at a customer facility stockpiled because someone's had to buy um, a minimum number of units. Right. Uh, and actually what you find is, is when you have quite a lot of... You went you, you in a reasonable inventory position, you've got quite a lot of channel which has inventory in. The the, the delta between a decent bit of inventory at the start... And um, and inventory out of in the channel, um, and a very lean world where you're literally consuming every chip that comes in immediately and getting it through to a customer. There's a lot of, there's like a million units of saving there between those. Right. Steps. It's a one shot benefit, right? But it only needs to be a one shot benefit because you're only trying to get through a year, right? Um, and so, what you find is if you've got your underlying supply, um, and that's secure because you've got good support in your partners, um, uh, and then you see the surge. Because we have seen, in addition to tightness of supply, we've seen a surge of demand. Um, you're, you're, you can absorb a lot of that surge by being a little bit cleverer and a little bit leaner and a little bit more responsive in your, in your supply chain. Uh, and that's really where we are this year. Um, the biggest surprise to me, of course, is, is the extent to which we're prioritising CM4. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I absolutely have not seen you. If you just told me at the start of the year we have we're going to have component shortages, I'd say that's fine. We'll we're to, we're, you know we have more cm 4 in the budget yeah. than we're ever going to sell. Now we probably, <laughs> we probably sold get on for the year's budget of CM4s in the first month, and that, that's a shock to me. Uh, and but it's fine. We'll we, you know we'll, we'll, we'll manage through it. And we're just like I say, if there's one thing we're lucky, we went in with good inventory because otherwise we would be in trouble.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, definitely. I mean, the what's constantly been surprising me, and uh, if you could if you had given me a call, I would have told you the 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 demand for uh, rather Raspberry Pi, especially the compute module in everything outside the core market, the, the ones that your your more complete sort of products uh, cover is is amazing. And honestly, the CM the compute module in general, and the CM4 does that even better. Um, Is a fantastic way. Like so, this is this was our our thought process, right? We 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 make the fin. You know, like I I have it right next to me. It's one of my favorite things we ever made. But we were thinking, hey, we can let those guys do the hard part, like all of the you know the high speed stuff and you know like integrate the silicon and all that stuff. Like we we don't we're not a hardware company, but we can build a the rest around that based on what we know from our customers where they keep failing or whatever. Uh, we can we can spend more than what you guys would optimally spend for your use case or whatever like gold plate it but the you do the hard work for us so we can just take that and, and know that it's going to work and adding the wireless on that actually for me is huge because we had to certify for for five gigahertz and i like if you could just do that for everybody thanks yeah. uh, yes. please
1: <laughs> I mean, of course, one of the things we did with with the core product with three plus is we are um, uh, an FCC certified module. Um, mm-hmm. So three plus, and we did we did zero W and and Pi three, which are chip on board uncanned wireless. And then what we did with three from three plus onwards is we put a can mm-hmm. over the Wi-Fi. And what that lets you be is an FCC module. Um, right. So just so. like you would go and buy a module from you number know, of or someone, the entirety mm-hmm. of a Raspberry Pi. 3 plus or the entirety of a cm4 wireless um version um is and even though it sticks out around the same the can is the can is a square it's a centimeter the square centimeter mm-hmm. um, it's got a large amount of board sticking out around the can but from the fcc's perspective it's a it's a wireless module and what that means is as you know you you don't need to do you don't need to re-qualify great. The, the wireless components you obviously need to do a, incremental um uh, testing for unintentional Emissions, uh, but you can use our conformance. You can ride on our conformance for the, for the wireless side. It's an enormous saving. I mean, it's, it's hundreds of yeah. weeks. we spend three, four hundred thousand pounds on conforming a product because we conform everywhere. That's the other thing we do. We conform everywhere. So you know, if you if you're if you're in Colombia um, and you want a uh, and you you want to use this, there's, there'll be a piece of paper somewhere in the filing cabinet uh, which is your Colombian. The M4 certificate. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we are—we really are—pretty much everywhere. We hardly ever say no. This country is not economic. We're not going to conform that. Right. Um, so, so in that context, obviously, the modularity is 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 is, is, is very important um, uh, to us. And uh, just trying to find ways. here. So, you, know, you mentioned you know being a hardware company or not. What's the core proposition for Raspberry Pi in the embedded hardware space? We let software companies not have to become unintentional hardware companies. There right. lots of, we see this most in digital sign in digital signage and um, thin client. Actually, originally, yeah, um, is there a lot? There are a lot of companies making hardware only because they, they, all of their differentiation was in software, and they were only making hardware because they needed a cost-effective platform to run a stable, cost-effective platform to run their software on. We rock up, and everyone's like, "Hey, okay, we can, we can get out of this space now." And So you see a lot yep. of things um, thin client products, which are transparently a Raspberry Pi 4 in a box. Um, what they're running is the differentiated software provided by the vendor. Um, so there's Mm -hmm. still loads of scope for differentiation, but people aren't doing this kind of spurious engineering, this unnecessary engineering.
0: Yeah, it's, it's actually fascinating. We've, uh, We've been in the in the space for for a while and obviously you know uh, interacting with uh with with companies and and other vendors as well that and some of the sort of the big names in the industry let's call it that um have been you know trying to put out single board computers some some more successful than others but i've, I've seen a very specific change in the perception of raspberry pi itself right in the beginning it's almost like the the what was the quote like? First they ignore you, then they la- uh, laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Uh, but I remember specifically at a at a CES where I was talking to a vendor and they were saying, "Well, you know, we want to build a board for um, when you know those people that are prototyping Raspberry Pis are going to get serious and they're going to move to this, you know." There's,
1: so that was there's a board for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, but it was fascinating to me because it was almost, a, even though it sounded kind of bad, it was also a step of progress because they at, at least they were acknowledging that there was something happening. In the beginning, it was unthinkable, right? Then you saw sort of the form factor leaking over and, you know, the, the acknowledgement that there's something going on. And now we kind of see it, yeah, just going everywhere itself, and you know nobody blinks an eyelid because what else would you do? It's
1: just better made than any, It's just better made than any of the other products. That's the, you know, there's always this. I remember the, you know people talk about the space shuttle, right? And the the space shuttle did a hundred ish flights, a little over a hundred flights. Any other airplane, that's a test program, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, it's never, it never ceased to be an experimental vehicle because it just didn't fly enough. Um, and you see this with these. You get people who say, yeah, hey, we're like the industrial Raspberry Pi. Uh, and, you know, these are companies often that they make 10,000 boards a year. Um, and, you know, the, they're, they're this tiny scale. Um, and, you know, if we 10,000 is the number of we, if you want to check that we can build a product. We press the button, wait until the machine has spat out ten thousand Raspberry Pis, uh, and then we have a look at them and see if we like them, yeah. um, and are totally prepared to landfill them if we don't if we don't like right. them, um, and get um, yeah, a little bit more. Usually we've got a first, just to make sure, but you know, uh, for fu- functionally, sure, sure. Um, uh, yeah, our PVT run, so our DVT run, a design valid, uh, design validation test one, is let's uh, say hundred units. Um, and then a PVT production validation test run is five to 10,000 units. Um, and so you have people who are saying they are the, the industrial Raspberry Pi who are building numbers of units per year, which are kind of comparable to the number we accidentally build if we lean on the button for a little bit longer than we intended to. <laughs> yeah, do yeah, the yeah. um, and that's, you know, uh, um, volume drives out defects. Um, you know, we've discovered defects. Um, and volume drives them out. Because if you have, you know, we build, um, we sold, we did 7 million Raspberry Pis last year. We did 2.1 million in the first quarter of this year. So we're an annualized rate of pretty much 8.5 million. Units. Um, and if you're building at that rate and you have any significant population of defects, then you're doomed. Yeah. Because you'll just end up with a massive room full of defective units. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, we're always pushing on we're always pushing on that, um, and probably taking it to kind of the next level as well with CM4. CM4 is the first right. product where, we've, where we are um, regularly um, pushing units that we believe to be perfect through third-party teardown. In you know yeah, I mean, we've always done our own work, and we've always worked with our manufacturing partners for their in-house, uh, you know, in-house um, quality management. Uh, but these are the ones where we have units which have passed everything that we know um uh, how to uh, how, they're perfect. Uh and mm-hmm. we're pushing through external test, uh through external teardown, um, and then looking at the output of that and looking to see whether we can improve the production process. So that's that's a that's a that's a new step. Um that's a, that's really a new step for us. So you know always trying to find you just trying to be paranoid. I don't think people are paranoid enough. I, I think I think <laughs> everybody around me is just paranoia. I
0: think we have the we have the quote for the video now. I don't think people
1: are paranoid. Not people paranoid, paranoid. Absolutely. I mean, you ship you're shipping like seven million of something a year, eight million of something. A year. You should be paranoid. You know, be you shouldn't be sleeping. You know, you should be worrying about what's wrong. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what's wrong at you know, uh, ten ppm, hundred ppm. You know, you yeah. should be worrying about those things. Let alone a percent. You know, percent. Can you imagine? We had a percent defect. So oh yeah, no, that's 70, a seventy thousand units. That's what's that? was twenty pallets of, of <laughs> units. It would just be a nightmare. Yeah,
0: no, I mean yeah, exactly, right? Do you When you get to the one percent of the one percent being significant, I mean, yeah. you, I used you know, to have, I have
1: just... hair. I used to have hair. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I was born. A I went through a huge period of having hair, and then I, long before us, we're basically all gone. I maybe some. I mean, the, yeah, the stuff around the side has gone. <laughs>
0: yes i mean I, yeah the, the 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 whites here have, have been acquired uh yeah I, 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 now I, I'm, I'm getting the that hardware
1: Brutal, right? i feel like at least the i had for a long time was able to tell myself at least the white hair was falling out the like the weak right. the, falling out and everything that was left was brown and, and then actually down here not so much now <laughs> looking like captain Haddock pretty soon <laughs> That's awesome, uh,
0: but and 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 but the, the the point you're making is is fascinating to me because we've also seen it and we've also seen it be very counterintuitive to newcomers, which is that the it's kind of the thing you said about the the child's bedroom and the industrial you know setup um, where um, the you would expect that the requirements would be diverging right um, in in sort of ways where you're like well this couldn't possibly be used here this couldn't possibly be used there um, but and we see this on the software side as well, which I, I'm kind of. I, I think I've stopped now for, but for the longest time, I was kind of waiting for the requirement to drop that would make it, you know, incompat like for our for our product, but in general, uh, the the space where you say like, well, you know, if you have this, you know, strict bifurcation, like, but we what we keep seeing is somebody asking for something, and this is, by the way, how we do support. We always try to give the best support to everybody because you don't know if somebody's going to come with a question, right? And they're going to be like, oh, you know, what about this thing? Um, and if you ignore that, then you're going to get it from a huge customer on a huge timeline. And you're either going to have to abandon that or just run like crazy. And, and you're yeah. going to be like, why did I listen to that guy in the basement who had <laughs> this thing? And who said like, nobody cares. Right. And now I'm, I'm, I'm running like crazy, uh, like a madman. Um, it's, always,
1: it's always better to fix these
0: things when it's not your biggest customer <laughs> you know? yeah yeah exactly wow. it really is but yeah that that consistency is just uh really so i mean it almost feels abnormal like you know that that things are so just building a platform like this should be should have a consistent you know it's almost like a platonic ideal and we're kind of reaching for it uh, yeah. and it doesn't matter where you're coming from like you, you're always drawing the same shape or something and I, I i don't i don't have an explanation for it <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's strange, and of course, you know, you can. It's important to price divergence. It's important to price. Um, you well, know, if you, yeah. if you if you um, if you diverge, you basically divide your software team into. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you you know it's easy to see, uh, and I do this all the time. I mean, I'm, I have to restrain myself because, of course, I have this um, access to this amazing engineering team that can do almost anything. Um, and so it's really tempting to come in the morning and say, "Right, here, <laughs> lads, here are the ten new things we're going to do." Um, and and I have to, and, and I I'm I'm lucky in having guys like James Adams and, and, and Gordon Hollingworth around me to to to, to beat me over the head when I do this. Um, but you know, um, uh, a leadership strategy is about um, the things you don't do. Um, and one of the things that we really try not to do is to bifurcate the platform uh, and that's one of the reasons why we're lucky that we've had this series of um, 1, 2, three, four, five chips now so we had 2708, aka 2835 2709, aka 2836 2710 twice so we had the, the A1 design that went into um, Pi 3 um, and then the MCM uh, 3 and then the B0 design that went into um, uh, Pi 3 Plus and CM 3 Plus. And the difference between those is that they are the second one is um, flip chip. So the first one's a wire bond chip. So effectively, you put your, your chip, it's a satellite substrate, and then you have little bond wires that go from the top, from the wavefront, from, the, wave mm-hmm. run, from, the, from the, the, the die onto the substrate. Um, the problem with it, if you think about that shape, it's kind of a coil. Um, right. So it's inductively terrible. Um, uh, You know, it's it's, you you know, you you, at the very highest frequencies, it's very hard to get um, uh, energy um, Mm -hmm. onto uh, onto the die. And so we kind of had this hard upper frequency limit of one point two gigahertz. And then um, the um, the B zero chip is a flip chip. Um, So you so you have instead you have a bumped die. You flip the die over and bond it down. So there's no none of these all inductive bond wire um, things. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a nice package with a heat spreader as well, so it's kind of thermally, uh, thermally very performant. Um, so we had that twice, effectively, that, uh, right. that, that, that that chip appears twice. And in fact, we love it so much, we've actually rolled it back onto Pi 3 as well, because it's pin compatible. It's back on Pi 3. Yep. The only product now that takes A1 is um, it's the M3. Um, yep. so, so we had that chip twice, which was kind of fun. Uh, and then we have 2711, which is this quite big change. All of those ones are 40 nanometer chips progressively larger ARM cores, progressively cleverer packaging technology, um, but on 40 nanometers. Um, and you've got about a 15x performance uh, range across there in terms of ARM performance. Um, starting with your single core ARM11, go to your quad A53. So single core ARM11, 700 megahertz, quad A53, um, 1.4 gigahertz. So you've got twice the clock speed, four times the number of cores, and actually quite a lot of uplift in terms of instructions per yeah. clock between those two architects. You've got some architectural IPC improvement. Um, so you've got those guys, then you've got 27.11. And 27.11 is kind of a, a, the first full implementation um, of, of, the, of the basic chip concept, um, but on 28 nanometers. So on, on TSXC, 28, um, 28 nanometers. Um, and that's uh, it's obviously that's giving you the, the, the big jump. Then you've got the out-of-order cores, you've got the A72s. These are about another 3x. So you've got about a 40x... Um, um Delta um across the across the line but that they're all fundamentally the same thing right um, where twenty-seven eleven has grown some more stuff uh, but fundamentally all of these are the same architecture and therefore mm-hmm. the same software team we still run a 32-bit we are going to transition more to a 60 we have a, a prototype 64-bit um, OS we'll transition our probably in the next 12 months our attention will really right. move across to that. Um, but we've, we're still shipping a 32-bit user land. We're still shipping a an ARMv6 32-bit user land. What does that mean? It means that it'll run on a Raspberry Pi 0, which has an ARM11 in it. It'll run on a Raspberry Pi 1. It'll run on a Raspberry Pi Alpha board. So actually, if you are one of the 50 people who has a, a Raspberry Pi Alpha board from 2011, your uh, today's operating system release will boot on that board. And in fact, there are one or two people in the community who will complain if it doesn't. Um, And that's an enormous level. A, from from a customer perspective, it's an enormous level of continuity. From an engineering development perspective, it avoids avoids divergence in your um, engineering. And and places where there is divergence are the places we have the most challenge or we have to spend the most money. So, for example, the graphics technology, the multimedia 3D acceleration technology, moves from video core 4 in the 40 nanometer line to video core 6 in the... um, in the twenty-eight nanometer line, um, and of course, what you what you end up doing, you end up paying two driver teams. So we end up, okay. yeah, you know, we end up spending more money. Or you know, yeah. where you could spend all of that money on making one of those two architectures better instead. You you split right. your split your attention. And you, you can yeah. you can afford a bit like CM four. You can afford to do this sometimes, but if you made a habit of it, it would kill you. Yeah,
0: it's it's about it's about finding the right the right moment to kind of make make the, yeah. make the jump. Which actually brings me to. Uh, something that a lot of people have been uh, curious about uh, which is you know lots of people know you're very very passionate about semiconductor uh, and you know the design of the integrated circuits and all of that uh, so you must have noticed somewhere uh, unless you've been hiding under a rock uh, which you haven't <laughs> uh, that the Risk Five sort of um, movement is getting steam so I'm sure lots and lots of people are curious about you know your thoughts and again not necessarily specific to the Raspberry Pi as you mentioned there's you know these kinds of changes are uh you know something that probably would uh require a lot of a lot of thought but um just more broadly i mean just as a person who's interested in the the industry
1: it's well it's an interesting development um i how do i feel about it i i think that's a good thing it's always nice to have more choice i Think there are some substantial challenges ahead of it, mm-hmm. um, because there's so much investment in the two dominant architectures right. in x86 and ARM um, on the software side, um, primarily. So um, there are, yeah. and in fact, of course, ARM is much less developed than x86. So if you go and look in the source for, either don't know, Pixman or FFMPEG or something. Um, and what you'll find on the X06 side is you'll find accelerators, fast paths, for every generation of Intel um, multimedia instruction from um, uh, MMX through right. to um, the recent stuff, ASE2 whatever. Um, th- there's more recent stuff. I need to update my thinking about this because there's at least one generation more of this. Anyway, right. what you'll find Intel have paid people to go and do this. Um yeah. You go look on the ARM side, actually, historically, what you found was a bunch of A8, Cortex-A8 optimized stuff that Nokia paid for in about 2009. Um, and then you might then actually find some ARM11 stuff that we paid for in about 2012, 2013. Right. Um, and more More recently, you'll start to find ARCH64 stuff that we have paid for. Um uh, so but it's not very it's really very undeveloped actually. Right. Uh, but you know there is good investment in things like JIPS, you know, there's a good investment imbe- obviously there's a vast investment in JavaScript virtual machines um uh, for, for, for the art for the, the two ARM architectures 32 and 64. Um and there's, so there's quite a lot of this work to do. Um right. and it has to be done before um your know, before an architecture is really ready for the prime time. Um, and I think it will take a long time. Actually, took a long time for ARM. It's, it's still not done. ARM is a 30 year old instruction set. ARCH32 is a 30 year old instruction set architecture. Um, and it will come to the end of its life, which it basically mm-hmm. is now, um, uh, before people finish doing this work. Um, so so I think that that's, that's a challenge. I think that there's a lower barrier to entry in microcontrollers. I know, there is a love for mm-hmm. entry because the tooling is you know the, the, the tooling as long as you've got a working GCC pretty much um you're okay so that's 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 that may be somewhere where we see um some some early risk fire stuff um, i uh, the standardized the instruction set standardization on licensing um you can make there's a pair of articles called the case for I think they're called the case for a. Uh, an open instruction set architecture in the case for a licensed instruction set architecture the first was written by um one of the risk five people and the second one was written by a couple of arm guys and was in that it's a linley it's a, a note on the linley website um and the what well, the the open guys argue is you flexibility do what you want um the arm guys argue that having a someone who curates um the instruction set and continues is um a variety of legal mechanisms to control what goes into the instruction set uh creates a, a much more um uniform platform um, which can serve as can and you get more innovation when you have a platform that people rely on so you don't end up fragmenting where like oh those processes have that interesting instruction that lets you do this thing um oh i'll go use i'll, I'll use that instruction oh no, i can only run on half of the machines um so so so, it's finely balanced actually so re- I, I don't really have an opinion there I think it's a finely okay. balanced
0: argument um yeah no it's it's, it's fascinating and I mean the, the way you put it almost brought to my mind like uh, arguments about like Wikipedia versus encyclopedia Britannica sort of of like 10 20 yeah. years ago which might indicate it could go one way but the fragmentation
1: that you mentioned on the other side is definitely yeah you know that, you, platforms yeah. for innovation these are platforms these are these are shared platforms for innovation. Um, yeah. and, and you have to have some centripetal force um that, that pulls the platform together. And the question is, is there a is the risk five centripetal force, you know, the arm centripetal force, the Intel was incredibly powerful because it's basically just Intel and AMD making the processes. Yeah. Um the the ARM force is a little bit less powerful. Uh and then the risk five force is a little less powerful than that. And is the risk five power force powerful enough um, to, to, right. to build a, a common platform for innovation?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, I mean the one thing I uh, we we discussed internally at uh, Balina, well, you know, the, the the natural thing as an engineer is to always want to offer more choices and more freedom and more options. But the especially when you start to think about things from the, the whole stack perspective, I, I tend to model it as a budget. You have a freedom budget and where are you going to spend it? Because if you actually start spending it at the at the bottom layers and everything's fragmented, there's less you can do on top. Right now, you're fighting all the way up. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something that we probably uh, should should be better understood. That you there's no free lunch in terms of just giving you know knobs to people and just do everything in, in any way you want for
1: sure. I think the only thing you've got to remember is that there aren't really high end, um, risk five calls available. i would right. say said high end risk five cores available. Oh that's yeah. What, yeah. So, you know, there are Cortex Cortex A7 equivalent cores, maybe at a push A53, but A53 is an alarmingly good core, actually, for an in-order core. Um, uh, yeah, maybe there are A9. So the interesting in- interesting thing about how the ARM cores evolved is that you've got the, in, the in-order the in and out-of-order lines. So you've got kind of three places where they develop cores. they making them in Cambridge, making them in Sophia Antipolis in south of France, and they're making them in Austin. And each of them has a kind of a distinctive... Competence. So um, the you know, the uh, Cambridge were the in order calls. Um, uh, so Codex A seven, for example Codex A five, Codex A seven. Um, Sophia were the earliest out of order calls. Um, Austin a eight actually, but Sophia were A nine. The, the the canonical A nine for a long time was the canonical big arm core right? Um, and that's an out of order call. And then and then Austin were doing the big calls. Um, what was interesting with the with with um, the Cambridge team was eventually they kind of caught up with by designing a really 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 well optimized in order core a53 kind of caught up with a9 um and so a53 is a really good core um and it's probably the best in order core i mean 55 adds a little bit to it but 53 is probably the best in order that's ever been made by mankind um it it, it, it pushes along by the time uh, Intel got to 53 light levels of performance. They'd gone out of order. They'd gone Pentium, Pentium Pro, Pentium Pentium 2. Um, and so they, it, was, it was really fascinating that ARM um, discovered new reserves of in-order um, performance with, with 53. So 53 is a great core. You might possibly, at a push, be able to go out and get a 53-class um, uh, RISC-V core. Uh, now, maybe higher-end cores will come. So sort of A72. So we're using A72 at the moment. I don't think I could currently get go and get an a go and get a, a competitive um, um risk five core for an art for a Raspberry Pi product. Now maybe they'll arrive, but they are very substantial pieces of work. Um, they are not knocked out by a grad student. Um, you know, these these ARM cores, the A70X series cores are hundreds of engineer years of work each. Um and that's hundreds of engineer years from a running start, right? You know, not not from right. hey, I'm going to sit down and write a processor. It's like I've been writing a processor for a year, for a decade, and I'm now going to spend a hundred engineers to make next year's processor. Or they kind of tend to over. They tend to have two in. They tend to do this now, so they tend to. It's kind of you see it as being you know fifty engineers for two years or something, you know, or hundred engineers actually for two years. Um, so 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 the, it's incredibly expensive. <laughs> it's extremely expensive to do it, and that means that you're not going to end up. With, I do not believe for an instant that you are going to end up with, unless some eccentric billionaire um, endows an organisation that's composed of very clever people, not just be any organisation, has to be a very capable organisation, endows an organisation with the intention of making a disruptively high-performance risk five processes. Any future high-performance risk five process will be a proprietary product, either of an in-house team. Uh, we may see that. We may see that out of China. Um, or it will be a uh, licensable but proprietary core like you would see out of SCI-5. Um, mm-hmm. And so that means actually kind of on some level, what have you gained? What you might end right. up gaining is they're going to cost the same as ARM cores. They're going to be as proprietary as ARM cores. You're going to gain the ability to have other, to migrate to another core from another vendor, which runs the same instruction set, which you can't do at the moment with ARM cores. Um but that's a, could be end up being a very theoretical increment of th- of freedom, particularly if as you probably can't necessarily sustain one, one or two organisations doing this, and therefore you may find yes, you have, you know, it, it becomes you know, it's a bit. Um, you know, it will be a disappointing kind of it will be a disappointing kind of freedom. So maybe what we need to do is hope that hope hope that an eccentric billionaire decides that they want to kind of teleport us to the end state, just as yeah. we're kind of approaching the end state on the fabrication side as Moore's law runs out. Um, somebody decides that they wish to just create the omega process at the kind of the end of time, out of order processor. Um, uh, let's go do that, and I'm going to spend a hundred. I'm mil- probably a hundred million. Dollars, well spent. Okay, yeah,
0: the A fifty three of out of order, sort of.
1: Well, I was thinking kind of the A seventy six A seventy eight, maybe of. Uh, okay. of uh, yeah, the yeah, okay. So the A fifty three of out of order, so which would kind yeah. of be A seventy six or seventy mm-hmm. uh, yeah.
0: eight.
1: So maybe that might happen, but I think that's probably what we're talking about here. I'm not. Sh- I don't think we're yeah, talking about this. I, this what, I'm- spontaneous flowering of freedom.
0: Yeah, I mean, I imagine the the sort of the optimistic case would be that you will have a sort of multiple parties sort of pushing each other and contributing at the same time, sort of this co-op petition creating unforeseen like breakthroughs. But that's theoretical, right? Like as you say, I think the interesting thing is to to see it. And I think, I mean, for for me, and I think for people who are listening to this, uh, we we get from from you the much more sort of grounded perspective of like. I, let's see how this plays out because it's easy to get excited about like this new thing that's coming out. Uh, but th- there's yeah, hardware is hard. People aren't paranoid enough. I'm a pragmatist.
1: I'm a pragmatist. Uh... You know, I uh, you know, I mean, you see this with CM4. Like if if Risk Five, if a great Risk Five call rocked up that I could license and stick in a chip, um, and it had demonstrable benefits for my users over the the, the calls that I'm using, I would just, and I could justify and they were demonstrable enough that I could justify the bifurcation of, of supporting at least for a period to architectures um, then I gone in an instant um, I think I'm just yeah I, you know this question of like will this thing happen spontaneously well look at gPUs all right, so GPUs implement open standards. Uh, you know, Kronos do an amazing job of standardizing um, of standardizing you know, graphics uh, formats. I used to spend a lot of time at Kronos. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, you can go join Kronos, go download the OpenGL ES3.2 spec or the Vulkan 1.2 spec, um, and you can build a GPU. It's not like an instruction set architecture. It's not, um, it's not as tightly defined as an instruction set architecture in terms of what it does. It's the, the operations you have to perform are specified at a more abstract level. Um, and you can, um, uh, uh, and, and and there's not the proprietary lock-in that comes with, the, with most devices. Um, is there out there a GPU which is freely available, which is remotely competitive? Well, is there one out there at all, which is standards I'm not aware of any standards-compliant open right. GPU um uh, and to the extent that anything exists and even isn't standards compliant is there anything that's remotely competitive with what you can get from with Arm mali sgx imagination technologies sgx um, uh, uh, video core um uh, video core, or uh, core commentary no, or the stuff you get from amd or Nvidia? um there just isn't anything and there's and there's no all of the barriers that prevent you from building a um, uh, uh, a high-performance CPU architecture do not apply to to, to GPU, um, mm-hmm. uh, right. and, and yet yeah, there's nothing. So that, that that that's probably my my analogy. That's what I'm thinking in my right. mind about the likelihood of mm-hmm. this stuff spontaneously happening.
0: Cool. Um, okay, so we're we're headed towards the top of the hour. So I want to make sure we we uh, you know we, we're. Uh carefully using your, your very generously provided time. Uh, one thing, I think maybe on a slightly lighter uh, topic, but um, what are you, are you hacking on something in your spare time? Are you doing something that, um, are you working on something that's, uh, you know, when you're not thinking about anything else, uh, sort of just when does your mind float to like naturally?
1: No, I have, I have a four-year-old and a, well, tomorrow, one-year-old. It's my son's first birthday tomorrow. Ooh, so I have, a, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, I, 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 and I run a, I run the world's most exciting computer company. That's right. That's um, amazing. So I don't have, I don't have spare time. Okay, you know, I, I've, I've been known to do a bit of retro computer programming um, mm-hmm. before my son was born. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I quite enjoy um, BBC Microbot. I don't know if you've come across this. it's a, it's a Twitter bot that you can tweet a BBC. Basic Program too, oh. uh, and it will send you a video of your mm-hmm. of you running under emulation. They have a wonderful s- system that dispatches it to AWS, to Graviton-based AWS Lambda. It's a quite nice little ARM world there. Um, and uh, so they have a version, they have a, a BBC Micro emulator that runs at about an equivalent speed of about 6 gigahertz. It's equivalent to about a 6 gigahertz BBC Micro. BBC Micro is a 2 megahertz platform. So what they can you can send it and it'll, it'll record you an hour it'll run an hour so you can either get 30, get a few seconds of video from 30 seconds in or if you want to do some sort of effect which takes a long time to render like a you know, Madelbrot set or something you can tweet it with a little the rocket emoji in, uh, and uh, it will run it for an hour and then, send, <laughs> then tweet you a screenshot of what you've got after an hour and so this is kind of fun because you have 280 characters to do something clever in so i put in that I did a, a little bit of offline BBC Micro stuff um been trying to play with Shader Toy recently. I, I don't really have the time to build the kind of infrastructure required to do really nice Shader Toy demos. But um, I you know, Shader Toy is quite nice because you can sit down and just flail away at it for for ten minutes and come out with something pretty uh, and then stick it on Twitter. So that's quite a bit fun. But it's my, my my technical life is very um, attenuated right. uh, at the moment um, by the responsibilities of Raspberry Pi and the responsibilities of Family. Sure.
0: I mean, actually, the um, the, the uh, another question in the same veins, is sort of, what hard problem is currently sort of on your mind? And again, in the macro, you don't have to go into the details, but uh, is there a sort of a, a, a macro issue that you're sort of in the trying world? to break through? Huh? Sorry, in the world or in the in the world? No, world? I mean in
1: in the in the Raspberry Pi world. Raspberry Pi world. I mean, no, the supply chain is everything this year. You know? Supply yeah. chain. Well, we're doing all right, but it feels like you're you're trying to and I Mike Buffum, who he's a um, chief commercial officer, that spends basically all of his time now doing supply chain. So it's not his job, but it is this year. Um so we are um we are um, we're confronted with, with a lot of supply chain challenges and it feels like you're just trying not to die this month. And it's gonna feel like that all year. So that that certainly soaks up a lot of my lot of my attention. Um, other things, it's time to think about future Raspberry Pis. We're a long way away from that yet. I mean, Raspberry Pi four, by dint of the fact it's an enormous uplift over Raspberry Pi three, um, is correspondingly probably a four-year platform. So probably less right. than half through the lifespan of um, uh, 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 of, Raspberry, of Raspberry Pi four at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's there's that. Um, Thinking a bit about accessories. You know, we love to sell accessories for Raspberry Pi, um, but Mm -hmm. also really like just doing generic accessory stuff. So sort of thinking about what new things we could add on to a Raspberry Pi to make it more useful to people. Um, Did some great stuff last year with audio. Um, We brought this IQ Audio brand. uh, We acquired and then brought that into our product line. So we now have some really nice high-fidelity audio. um, (laughs) First-party audio accessories. There comes a cat. My beautiful (laughs) sister. (laughs) Get Last moment star raffles up
0: and there we are you know <laughs> that's
1: awesome <laughs> um, yeah, so, so there you go uh, i was like he's not gonna jump he's on the sofa over here and i'm not like, he's gonna jump because that's gonna go really badly
0: wrong i think know. there is a, some law about cats and podcasts or if it isn't we should we yeah, should no, make so, it up because I, they I, definitely are. Happy
1: if he or my daughter or indeed my son is about to walk be past behind us there he goes um Ooh. want to uh, want to want to participate in 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 podcasts or business meetings or whatever it's been a glorious thing actually about this year Uh, you know there have been many 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 terrible things but becoming the fact that everyone has had to acknowledge that they are not a business robot and that they have families and cats children and cooking going on you may be able to hear in the background um you can hear all of this stuff because we're all in our homes has yeah. been a, I think it's a, a positive, yeah. There, it's 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 a small positive to go with the substantial negatives in the last years. It, it's a, a,
0: yeah. It's a fa- fascinating point you're raising because it's, yeah. It's always felt disembodied, right? That you sort of, you know, enter the work, the 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 door of your workplace, and all of a sudden it's almost like you, the old IBM man suit, sort of, you know, drapes over you, and you are an interchangeable. I <laughs> yeah. So the, i heard it was jingles playing at a specific time in the day and all of that. Yeah, was my...
1: you know, it was, well, the, well, a lot of the stuff. The interesting thing is a lot of the things that we associate with Japanese corporate culture—you know, sort of, kind of the stereo, sort of rather stereotypical things—do Japanese corporate culture do you know, with anthems and you know company loyalty and stuff? Um, uh, were actually IBM things <laughs> IBM, uh, Well, no, because after the Second World War, um, the Americans uh, sent people to Japan to help Japan. Um oh, yeah. economy. And so lots of these, lots of these things are actually the product of um how IBM saw itself in the night. We found a copy of the IBM hymn book, um, the IBM company songbook when we were there. You know, it's like, you know, these like you like hymns to IBM's great inventors and stuff. Um, I used to work for I, I I had a funny story. I bought a suit to go work for IBM, a blue suit, because it was like IBM. Yes. It went went down with my father just leaving school. I know it was between university, school and university. Yeah. I left left school at 17, went down to Next and bought a blue suit, went to IBM, All my blue suit. First day in, I noticed there was a guy in the corner who everyone was wearing suits, and there was a guy in the corner who was wearing ripped jeans, a T-shirt, and a Microsoft hat with the Windows 95 start button. And this was the point where IBM and Microsoft were huge. Um, right, 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 up, yes, up, exactly. Thing, and he was wearing this hat. Um, and I was like, and I noticed that everybody was giving him enormous amounts of respect and like it, like, cause he was a great programmer this guy's name right. is Greg. Uh, he now actually works for us. Uh, and he right. found the, <laughs> the SDK for, um, Pico, uh, Graham Sanderson for, for the, for the RP2040 Pico um, platform. And he, um, and I was like, hang on, everyone likes him next day. i came in ripped t-shirt, ripped jeans, <laughs> ripped, ripped jeans, t-shirt, borrowed his hat, wore his hat down right. all day, nearly got fired. Um, but you know there is that IBM suit wearing thing. Right. This is mid nineties, and it was still very, very strong at that point. You know, yes. That, 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 that taboo yeah. uh, against it. And I, I think you know we, you know, I never turned a Zoom background on. You know, yeah. I won't, I will not turn the Zoom background on when I'm at home because I want people to know I'm in my house. You know, so, no, I, it's, uh, well,
0: it, it, yeah. I mean, the, the, the suit is kind of funny because I think right now if somebody showed up in a suit, that would be the act of rebellion.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> We'd like sweatpants, where like you know, there's going to be six months. I was, was reading a um, Matt Levine column for Bloomberg, uh, where he was saying there's now going to be for bankers, there'll be a six month window where you can turn up to a business meeting and sweatpants, <laughs> <laughs> the other guys in the suit, you can know, go and you can say, "lol, pandemic." Um, right. And after six months, you, if you turn up in sweatpants, it'll can,
0: it'll clamp can, down again. Yeah,
1: uh, you know, make the most of your of your six months of fun bonding around inappropriate um, <laughs> clothes clothing choices in business meetings.
0: Yeah, but it's it's the, the the broader point, though I think is is one that's rarely made around how um, we are all real human beings. And I think with the pandemic, as you say, of uh, the many many bad things that have come out of it, um, the the fact that we've all had to acknowledge that you know we are in, you know you un, un, unified beings with like we don't actually forget everything the moment we walk in the door or out. Um, And we have to find ways for for work to to acknowledge that i think is uh definitely something i think we're we're gonna hopefully carry with us and not after the six-month timeline again like get amnesia and like
1: (laughs) yeah i mean that's it you know just trying to freeze in your mind how it feels how it feels at the moment or how it felt um and just trying to take away one or two one or two good things i've been running a lot more so i got a lot more exercise i live out in the countryside and I have been getting on my exercise as a result of, of this, and trying to make time in my day. Because I don't know about right. you, but I find it's the first thing to go, and it shouldn't go because you, right. you save some time by not exercising. But then you end up that your productivity declines more because you're not feeling. You're feeling... I've
0: been having more babies. That there, way, we there we are.
1: He was locked down. 364-year-old lockdown. <laughs> oh. <laughs> before day old lockdown maybe. you know what's funny yeah. my my son is turning two tomorrow as well so it's, it's a very similar situation yeah 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 and so so you know so it's those things so it's like let's make sure that we take something positive with us
0: yeah oh, for sure I, I, I can't think of a better better line to close on so I'm just gonna like you know choose this time and draw a line and uh, you know while, while we're ahead that's that was great thanks thanks so much.
1: Wonderful. Thank you very much indeed. That's been great.